Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Hello, Thurland. That's not bad. That's not bad. We're in the home of hurling, so we'll get another cheer for that, no? No? Okay. Listen. We have a great show lined up. Our first panel is going to take a trip down memory lane to the trilogy, um, the most famous trilogy in the history of Munster Hurling. Sorry for the premiere, you didn't win. Um, you lost after two replays, three games. So we have the first panel talking about that. Next panel, we're going to talk about a, bit about a little bit of controversy. We have the Boris Lee Five. Do you remember the Boris Lee Five? Going on the beer on the Tuesday, nonetheless, after a Munster final loss. Um, you have a little bit of history of doing that, you know, boys down in Tipperary. Always come, kind of something happens. Um, we're going to talk to them, Shane McGran, Reds Grady in part two. And then we're going to do some analysis in part three. We have the great Cheddar Plunkett down from Leash. I'm not the only Leash man down here. So uh, we look forward to that. Babs Keating is on the first panel. So Babs Keating has come out with some of the greatest one-liners in GA history. So we know, we know his big one, donkeys don't win derbies. That didn't work out too well for Babs um, in the end. Cork won the, Mun or the Munster, but Tip won it the year after. Sheep in a heap didn't work out too well for him either. Um, awfully went on to win the All-Ireland. My favourite one of Babs, um, and it's about a Limerick man. Um, Tom Ryan, who used to manage Limerick. It's one of the all-time classics. To me, Tom Ryan is an arsehole and always has been an arsehole. <laughs> okay, give it up for our first panel. Babs Keating, Richie Bennis and Andrew O'Shaughnessy. So, Babs, I'll start with you. Is Tom Ryan still an arsehole? <laughs> we, want, we want to talk about this match because it was unbelievable, lads. It was uh, three games, two periods of extra time, about four and a half hours of hurling, Babs. Like, let's go back to the start. Like, you came in with Tip in 2006, a little bit like Richie, to steady the ship. You came in in a, in a right mess, 
Limerick were when you joined in, in mid-season in 2005. So we just get a bit of a background of where, when you started with the two teams. I suppose it was the right time to come in when we were at a very low ebb. <coughs> After meeting Clare below in the playoff and uh, beat us by a massive score. And the following Monday or Tuesday, I was helping out a brother of mine, he lived at Limerick's house, and I got a phone call from this individual, PJ Ganan, would I be interested in the Limerick job? He'd be a ball hopper now. And I, of course, said I would if the money was right. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, would you? I wouldn't see him stuck. So it started from there. I got, a, I got a phone call that evening from the chairman. Would I take it in the meantime to, to, to finish out the year? I said I would. Yeah. You came in in the middle of a huge drought for Tipperary Babs. It was like only five years since the one in All-Ireland. Yeah, well, uh, look, I was there for eight, eight years, from 86 to 93. Yeah. And uh, I came back reluctantly. Obviously, one of my mistakes, Colm, but uh, the county chairman at the time, Donald Shannon, kind of put pressure on me to come back. I was retired from the job. Only just so I had I was at a free hand, but um, with the advantage of hindsight, I, 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 I should have stuck to my guns. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you never would have been involved in this trilogy, I suppose. And then you came up senior, and I don't you know the result didn't work out. Andrew, so you won two All Irelands under 21, and then you came up senior, and I don't think you won a match for the first four years, was it? Uh, not a championship match. A few challenge matches, but no. <laughs> No. This was leading into this 07, so there was, was, yeah, was it, it six years Limerick went without winning a, yeah, a Munster Championship? It was kind of weird because it was before you got the, the second chance in Munster, so literally if you go on to win your first Munster Championship, you're gone. You're gone back into the qualifiers, which is not a Munster Championship, but um, it's, as, it seems easy now, but it's extremely hard to, to win a match in Munster. Um, and at that time, we were just extremely unfortunate. I don't know, do we believe that we could actually beat like the Tipper Cork or... Water at the time were very strong, but um, it all comes down to just having a bit of self-belief, and we got it, fortunately, in 07 for that yeah. match, anyway. So the first match didn't start too well, Richie. You were, what was it? You were a man down, and I think you were four points down after 21 minutes. So we were. We were uh, wrong. Johnny, Johnny Cattle didn't score a great goal, yeah. left the forward, and we ended up, I meant shot, Damien Rail. Damien Rail. Damien Real um, got to know Owen Kelly. So we came in at half time. I think I think we took six points in at half time, and of course there was a small bit of a uh, lull in the dressing room. This was the man that was first uh-huh. to speak. He said to see, let's let's stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Typical Limerick, making excuses. We've got to be beat today again. He said, he said, let's excuse in the dressing room. Let's get out and give give, give the best half hour hurling we'll ever give. And in fairness, we did. Yeah, you definitely did. What were you saying at halftime, Babs? Because you were looking uh, more comfortable at that stage. You had a man up. Well, I've been in the game for, for played my minor all Island 59 years ago. And I never heard too much excitement in a dressing room at halftime down the years. And I don't believe in it. As I said, it works. It worked for Richie that day. But at the end of the day, we had our excuses maybe one or two things went against us. But I, I, at the end of the day, if you're not prepared and ready to face what's going to be, what's, what's actually going to happen. And you cook. heard excitement in the Limerick dressing room from next door, did you? Ah, you... uh, no, we would, no. We'd be... We'd, I'd be too far apart. We'd be too far away, though. Yeah. That wouldn't apply. The Gaelic grounds. No. And wouldn't worry, I was like, you're, it's, it's weird. 
the business we were in, like, is a very selfish business, Richie. Mm. Richie looks after his own troops. We look after ours. And uh, different, different, different strokes for different blokes, in a way, call them. Like, you know what I mean? There's some players you could say something to, there's some players you'd only upset if you said it to them. Yeah. So that, that has been my, that's been my experience down the years. And certainly the dressing room that, that, that I was in in the early years, in the, in the early 60s, with some of the greatest players that ever played, there was no talk when he just get out and do the job. With our training done up in the field, and even Paddy Lahey, who is to me one of the all-time greats, all of you see on All Island Day, get out, lads, and do the job. You have to work put in. That's all we said. Yeah. And For that first game, the big talking point was Owen Kelly was taken off the freeze. What was going on with that? It's sorry, and Owen, Owen Kelly wasn't on the freeze. That was a big talking point in that first game. Uh, no, look, in, in relation to the decisions that were made, they were made based on what was happening in training. We'd, 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 be, uh, we'd have gone through every aspect and every requirement for the weeks leading up to the match. So, yeah. like everybody in the field knew, or if they were listening, should, should be expected to know. I know when I was wearing number 10 or 11 or 12 in the early years, I knew what my job was. And, and everybody around me, you know, like, I go back to the old days, the, 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 the amount of work that we put in as individuals was unbelievable. Like when John Dunham poked out the ball on the team that I played, everybody in the field knew what was going. And that was the same way right throughout the field. And the discipline that we imposed on ourselves. I remember the very first big game I played with Tipperary in 1964 uh, league final. We beat Wexford 5-13 to 1-4, to, to and we had two wides. And nobody mentioned the 5-13 when we got back to train. We wanted to know where the two wides come from. <laughs> that was the kind, of, that was the kind of, of perfection that that squad had. Yeah. But as individuals, they were, they were outstanding. You go back to every one of them. Yeah, no, and, and fair, fair enough. The, the, the second game, Richie, whatever was said at halftime in the first game, what was said at halftime in the second game? Because the second game looked like it was completely gone. That was t 10 points down at one point there. It, 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 yeah, it, it looked bad for us in the second game. Yeah. But as, as Andrew will, will verify, I think to the fittest team that had left Limerick for about, that played for Limerick for about seven or eight years, we had a great train on Dave Moriarty. He might be the easiest man to manage, but he was a great trainer. Right. And uh, at, at, at halftime, that uh, he didn't look good. But to the kid, into Gary spoke at halftime, that, uh, and he, what he said was, they played Tipperary back in, in 1996, and they were 10 points down yeah. inside the Gaelic grounds. And we actually brought it back to scoring points without even scoring a goal. Right. And that was more or less the flow of, of his speech at halftime, and it registered. And it worked. Yeah. Do you put much stock into halftime speeches, Andrew? Like, I mean, it, seems, it sounds to me like you remember these fairly uh, vividly. Well, I remember mine because I don't talk at halftime because I'm naturally a quiet person, so it's rare enough because you're in dress rooms and invariably you know yourself, the same people talk all the time and yeah. you don't listen, you go, oh, jeez, he's talking in, but... Lifted, lads. Yeah, when you hear a different voice, you say, oh, jeez, what's he talking for? Well, I, I think so, anyway. Um, but, like, there's only so much you can say at halftime because there's nothing you can do to change, it's just talking to get the people's attitude right. Uh, if you talk, you could be talking pure gibberish, and you could actually go and win. Oh, that's a great speech. But if you lost her, it doesn't matter at all. You can do all the talking you want, but you're just wasting energy most of the time. Yeah. Unless you're talking calm and collected, and I think I did that some bit 
that didn't work. Yeah, and like I mean, Babster, you must have thought this, this this game looked like it was over. Do you think there was seven in it with uh, five minutes to go, and in injury time there was four? You were four up, yeah. and like Limerick amazingly got it back just with pints in those well, four minutes. It was so significant that Richie and myself were sitting side by side because Open Simple Stadium with a similar experience back in '73, Richie. Uh, the older people here in the audience will remember it when, when uh, a controversial 70. I'm not sure about the pint that was scored, but again, controversial 70. I was on the end line, and, and there was two mistakes by the umpire and the, and, and the referee. First of all, a Limerick player dropped his holiday and hand passed the ball, which should have been free out. Secondly, the ball was over the line, and it shouldn't have been a 70. And one, our, selector, our selector got suspended for three months over it. Now, similarly, back in... <laughs> no, if you're going to call that 70... So you brought it up. No, so we'll clarify, I'll clarify it for you. That, that 70, it was going wide, but the goalie made, made, made an attempt to block it. And in his block, and he blocked it out over the line for a second. Yeah, but the goalie will tell, <laughs> tell you a different story. The goalie will tell you a different story insofar as he tell you the ball was over the line and in an attempt to hit it out in a hurry. And as a result, Gaynor got involved with the umpire. And Gaynor got six months because of that. So history repeated itself. It's nice to see the lads have gotten over this one in 1973. <laughs> now, now, did we begrudge Limerick to win? No, Richie. I, prom- I mean Ev- that. Eventually. Who won the no. one in, seven- who won the the one in 73? No. Sorry? Limerick won the one in 73 as yeah, well. Yeah, they beat us by a pint in 71. Right. And there was a bit of controversy that day as well. <laughs> and can I, can I qualify that, Richie, by saying that that Limerick team deserved an All-Ireland. So that Limerick team was a great team. And I still contend that you had a better team in 71 than you had in 73. I agree there. We were, we, 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 and I'd I, I, I reversed in 73, i say you were nearly the better team in 73. Yeah, you were, you were playing tre- yeah. tremendous order in 71. Sorry. You were, you, you, but that Limerick team deserved an All-Ireland or, or more. And can I just say, Colm, to be very wrong of me and all hurling people, because when Andrew got the series illness a couple of years ago, we genuinely, Andrew, we were, we were concerned for you. And it's great to see you here tonight in the form you're in. I mean that. Thanks. Because whether we're Jay... I, I have to say it's, it's gas listening to the two of you here because one feature of those three games, there was no nonsense with the two of you. You're, you're friendly and you're, you're friends and it showed on the sideline and after the game you were arm in arm and things like that, even though Babs, you mightn't have looked too happy, but at the same time, you know, it's the way it should be. I understand Limerick people better than most because I lived there all through the early 70s and I trained with Clahorn and I used to travel up with Eamon Gregan training and he's the nicest fellow in the world, but he would be the very first to hit your main one. <laughs> on Sunday. Wasn't that right, Richie? And he'd do to you playing with the horn if you were playing the well. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way it does. But when the game was over, it was over. And if I rang Cregan for anything, or if I rang Richie for some favour, it would be granted. Yeah. And I mean that. Yeah, no, that's the way it should be. Talk us through the last uh, four minutes then, Andrew, because there was the Ollie Moran show, and then you got what, what I'm sure Babs will say was a soft enough free. You could say you were charging. Well, no, it was a free. I'm only joking. Which, which, but... <laughs> um... Oh, so for a normal time? Yeah, normal time. It was weird because I was on Dermot Fitzgerald and 
I only realized this afterwards. I always found it hard marking a left-handed hurler when the ball came in high because you go up to catch with your right hand, but they naturally come across to your left hand. And he caught about three or four balls off me that day easily. And Shemihiki hit in one of his skyscraper of a ball. And I just actually I remember it vividly now. I just changed the hurl in my hand to my left hand and caught it with my right hand. And sure, it was that time of the match. If you made a run towards goals and any contact, you were going to get a free. Like, yes. So you just headed straight for goal? Yeah, sure, I couldn't hit it because the ball's in my right hand. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness to Andrew, prior to that, he took a shot at goal, and I'd say it was only just the weight of the ball that went wide. Same day, I, Same day. I missed about, honest to God, I missed a penalty. I missed a clear cut about four goals, and I got the ball. I remember James Ryan passed me the ball about 30 yards out, point down, and I should have put it up the bar, but there was a clear opening, and the sun was in, Gary Kenny was in goals, and he was in his eyes, so... I went for the goal and I, sh- I should have actually scored, I didn't get on target, but little things, fine margins, but fortunately it didn't cost us. Didn't yeah, cost but it, it was Roy of the Rover stuff, Richie, from Ollie Moran at, at the end of normal time and that. Like, I mean, he'd only scored a pint, he'd scored five the day before, yeah, yeah. you're expecting it from him, and when do you want your leaders to stand up? And Jesus, it was incredible from him. He, he, he always did actually, because he, he was always a backman prior to be taken over. And we decided to make a centre forward of him because as a backman, he, he wasn't a man marker. He was a great hurler. Yeah. So I moved him up centre forward and he was a hit from the word goal. Mm-hmm. But it, that day, he caught a great ball. There was about three or four temporary fellas hanging off him. And he caught a great ball and he laid it out to Pat Tobin, who scored a great goal. That was the one that turned the whole thing. Right. And he, okay. did, the same. he did the same against the second match. He caught it and passed it to Mike Fitz. Got Mike Fitz, yeah, same so. thing. Right, and Brendan Cummins was dropped for that game, Babs. Brendan, Brendan Cummins was the big talking point for that. And I think I was reading a quote, I was talking to you on my old job on Off the Ball, and you were saying that he wasn't following the puck-out instructions that you'd given him. Well, I, I, I certainly don't like discussing decisions that we made. And I'll make uh, one statement to the audience here. I was a selector with T.U. English and Dorney Neal, both of five islands each. And... I never imposed my will on either of them. And down through the years, whether I joined or on all of the wire, it was always a collective decision. And we made our decision based, and I mean we, based on everything that was happening in previous games. Now, all I can say, and I don't want to dwell into it, because if I go back to Brendan Cummins' grandfather, he kept football going in my club, when it was dead for about 30 years. And I mean kept it going with, on a bicycle. His father played in many a county final with me and played hurling with the club with me down the years. And we're both from the same parish. And it was an experience that I certainly didn't relish uh, facing. But we had to face it based on what we saw. And we made those decisions. And any decision I ever made in relation to Tipperary hurling was in what I thought was in the best interest of Tipperary hurling. Now, and I wanted to dwell into that. It was a bad time and and a, a, a bad experience in Tipperary hurling from the time Nicky left, and Nicky left in a hurry in 2002 after winning the All Ireland in 2001. <laughs> so and I'm saying to you, Michael Dye left in a hurry, Ken Hogan left in a hurry, and I'm saying I, I committed to two years and I left. And fine, Liam Sheedy came on and won in All Ireland two years later. And then left in a hurry. <laughs> and he left in a hurry. <laughs> but having said that, Liam Sheedy, it worked for Liam Sheedy, but I, I, I just qualified by saying Liam Sheedy was lucky enough to get six of the best young hurlers that the county has produced over the last 20 years. The three Mahars appeared on the scene. Bonner, Brendan and Parik. Seamus Callan and Noel McGrath. 
and Michal. After under twenty one team. So, yeah. so Redeem Sheed was blessed that those three guys came onto the scene. Now I was under pressure to play Brendan Maher and I wouldn't. I don't think he'd be playing today if I played him as an eighteen year old at that period. Now, so I'm telling you, every decision that I made as manager was in the best interest of Tipperary, and I'll stand by him. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, the third game then, lads, we'll get to that, because Limerick, he finally started well in, a, in this game, and you went six points up, yes. and then you got pegged back. Lads, can you believe these games, the more you think about it? The, the roller coaster, Richie. It was, but uh, I'd say the first two games, Tipperary were the better team. But yeah, you were clinging on. We, we, we were hanging in there, and, and eventually we, we got the result, or, or got a draw. But the third day, we were definitely the better team. We hurled, we hurled by far the better. We did good hurling, and we, we to talk about sweepers now and the whole lot. We brought Kevin Tormann out at the third midfield. And it was the move that won the match for us. We, cont we controlled it as much as Tipperary controlled the first two. Yeah. And then in the last five or six minutes, Niall Morden took the game by the score for the day and scored a few great points. Two great scores, but yeah. Can I, can I qualify that by saying, Richie, and I think the same might apply next Sunday, is that the Gaelic grounds is a hard place for the opposition to play when you're on song. Mm. I mean that. You, 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 lived, you, lived, you, 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 you know the history of Tipperary and Limerick. Yeah. We have played Tipperary, Tipperary fairly often, and either, I say, 75% of the time, he was the better team. Still, Limerick could beat you. Yeah. For some reason or another, Limerick had to rise right. the game. Yeah. I, I, we never felt inferior to you, yeah. but I always thought Tipperary felt superior to Limerick. But, but, um, yeah, I go back to the league final. I think this is the opening of the, of the new uh, Gaelic grounds that yeah, we yeah, know yeah, today. Yeah. And uh, we look certainly as going on with the team we had, we, yet we didn't win. And fellas like... Hagerty's father now played the blind on the middle of the That's field. Right, yeah. So I'm just saying, it, it, for some reason, I found it hard to win there. So look, I hope, I I, I hope I'm wrong on relation next Sunday. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, is that, Andrew, did you always find the Gaelic grounds as a fortress? Because Limerick have gone in favourites this weekend. I presume it's because it's in the Gaelic grounds, even though Tipperary have been so good this year and Limerick have been beaten twice. Yeah, it looks to me like maybe it's the home advantage that is swinging that. I, I wouldn't think so, no. I'm homegrown, grown, grand, but the likes of all these inter-county players now, homegrown doesn't really matter unless you go to a place like Wexford Park or Clare where the actual field is on top Smaller of you. Smaller ones. So, yeah, and the, like, they're literally, the fans are just, you could be a fan in Cornerford, whereas Gaelic grounds and other fields, they're distant. So I wouldn't say it's a huge advantage, but it does, the crowd, when the crowd gets behind you, as Richie said, they do generate serious support and quite vocal and I know from this weekend we're after taking up a lot of tickets I think there was some terrorist tickets handed back from Tipperary like, so they, they will have predominantly the most of the support Tip so. handed tickets back Did you, yeah. but it didn't fill the Hayes' hotel out here tonight either yeah, so <laughs> it's hopefully it'll be an advantage but yeah maybe come here tell me what was the feeling like when the pitch was invaded then after that third game oh, how long did it take you to get to the uh, dressing room uh, well first of all, the match was over when it was invaded first of all it was, we actually talked the match was when we called office Kind of like Roscommon last week. Yeah. You're saying, it's great to see, but at the same time, get off the field till <laughs> the match is over. Like, it's, that's exactly it. Um, but you don't want to get off, off the field either. You know, when you win those matches, especially for Limerick, that time, that, that time was so rare to win Munster Championship and get a winning feeling consecutively. So, like, just superb. I can still remember it, but again, like I always say this, like, that year was a great year, but we still have no medals to show it for us. Mm. 
Yeah, well, that's yeah, true. But like, I mean, I suppose the semi-final against Waterford was fantastic memory as well. How how did you recover from that, Babs? Did it? How did you recover from the three games? Because he obviously he lost, and then you got back. You got a run in the qualifiers then, so it's not we, like he were totally. We were in a different position. We faced Offaly the following Saturday night. We faced Cork the following Saturday night. And we beat played, Cork. We played Dublin the following Saturday, and we had to play a quarter-final the following Saturday, and we lost players through all the games. Like, unheard of that a team would be asked to play at seven weekends running. Seven, but, but, yeah. But, 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 but when, you're, when you're a manager like I was, I didn't get any, 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 anything, only, only criticism. For, <laughs> for, 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 I was even blamed for the injuries. Oh, <laughs> Come here, a, a supporter even came in after one of the matches. We have a picture here. Was he giving you grief as well, or what happened there? Is that after the first replay in Thurless? Do you remember that, no? No, look, those are, all, those are all kind of events that happened. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I certainly went through a hardship in that period. The phone calls I was getting at 2 and 3 in the morning was ridiculous. And I remember one particular night we were babysitting. My, my daughter and my son-in-law were racing in England. And, and the, the, the eldest daughter at the time, she was about four, and she, she was in our room sleeping. And a phone call came at three in the morning. She woke up hysterical. So those, those, are, those are the kind of things I put up on. They were, they were commonplace now, Colin. Now, I'm, you know, I, I got to the stage that I called the guards and the stupidity of those who were making the phone calls, they left their phone, their phone number on my phone to tell you how stupid they were. <laughs> now, now, but having said that, the guards, the guards in, in care and Torlis and Nina did a great job and I didn't get any more. Now, I was asked to you know would I, would I go ahead with prosecutions. I didn't. I didn't want any more hassle. Yeah. But I didn't want any more phone calls, Colin. Yeah. So no. I, I can tell you, it wasn't enjoyable being manager to really in those days. And it's a funny one why you're even getting, or it wasn't enjoyable, because you almost beat Cork, who were all Ireland champions, in that Munster final in 06. Then, even after losing that great run, you were able to go on a run yourself, so you lifted them after that. You know, like, I mean, it's not, this wasn't a, a horrific time for Tipperary hurling on the field. Oh, but look, you got gobshites every place. 99% <laughs> of the Tipperary support are the best in the world, and I know that. When I got the job back in 86, and Mike Lowry is chairman, this county was broke, Colin, and I mean broke. Tommy Barrett was county secretary and he said to me, Babs, he said, you're no manager of the Holland team, but we don't have a shilling to buy a Holland ball. And I started, I was the very first countrywide to start the supporters club. And the success, the success that, and the money that that brought in was unbelievable. So, look, as I said, I know the strength of Tipperary hurling and I know the generosity of Tipperary supporters, but there's always a few. Yeah, and football too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a good footballer in your day as well. Um, Richie, how did you... So you had the same problem then. Obviously, Babs had to lift his crowd, his team, after losing. But you had to pull yours back out of the clouds, I'm sure, after those three games. Yeah, we were playing Waterford the following Sunday, and it was the final. The following Sunday. And Waterford were the farm team, actually, that time. Yeah. And uh, we... I think we missed two goals in the very first five minutes. Yeah, Barry Foley. Barry Foley and Brian Bigley. Two goals that, was, that normally they would score. I'm not blaming them because that happened. That happens. But uh, they, they, they were they were beaten by ten pints. But we were only four pints down, and about ten minutes ago, and Matt Foley got injured, blood sub. And while we were making the, the change, they scored the goal. Dan Shannon scored the goal. So there was seven pints in it. Well, we lost that match. But then on the, we came. We, we were on the way home on the bus. 
the, the draw was mid. And no disrespect to Clare, but Clare wasn't great at the time. We drew Clare in the quarter final, and that was you knew the match that, that got us back on, on track. And we knew we'd be meeting Waterford in, in, the, in the semi-final. Yeah. And we were very well prepared for, the, for Waterford. And you were great that day. I remember, I, well, that was, I like Limerick, but it was, had a huge grow for Waterford back then. I was sick watching that game altogether, the late goal. And then you were interviewed afterwards. He says, we scored five goals and that the man scored none. <laughs> I'm still here for that. <laughs> but Richie, that period, Kilkenny were unbeatable on my opinion. If, if we meet anybody else in 2007 in the All-Ireland final, we'd have won it. Because Kilkenny were the best team I ever see Holland prior, prior to that Tipperary were in the 60s. But Kilkenny were the best team I see hurling. And that was their peak at that time. And they were at their very best. And they got the start that we needed. And even taking that, we brought them back to five points just before half time. And you lost your hurling, whether it was well, we won't. (laughs) Pull out your hand. And there was only five points in it, and to definitely been a goal. Yeah. if some boots never win anything. No, true. Shops, just to finish up with this, I'd say you'd like to play on this current Limerick team. You'll be getting some tasty yes. diagonal balls in as a just corner. Just because they're intelligent. Like, there's, there's no rocket science. The defenders get the ball, they deliver it in as opposed to just clearing it. Like, they use it very well, don't yeah. they? Yeah, you mentioned Mark Foley, like, so, ball, you, I could crick my neck getting the ball off him because he just skies it. Crowd roaring, oh, great stuff, but it's just invariably cleared out. But, like, the likes of Deccanon, he just ping ball 10 yards, 20 yards, 80 yards. He just passes the ball in and People are raving about Graham and Aaron, but it's nearly impossible to defend if the ball coming in is as good as that is because the ball's been hit in the space and then... Even my favourite... Yeah. I'd love to play with us, but... What, what do you think of this modern hurling, Babs? Because you remember even that my favourite players back in the early noughties, Tommy Walsh, Ken McGrath, they were just clearing it down the field and that hurling doesn't work really now. Yeah, the unfortunate thing about Warford, when they were really going well now, Tony Brown, Ken McGrath, Paul Flynn, Stuart Dan... Yeah. For some reason, the four top players never played well the same day. And I think they'd have won on that island. I remember the day that Paul Flynn scored, was he scored 113 in the All-Ireland semi-final. They were beaten by a point up till. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Ken McGrath had one of his worst games in the count, in the colours. The same, the same applied to the semi-final against Cork on the replay. So if the four of those played really well, and I, it's hard for me to say it because there were there was a few exceptional players on that Waterford team, but there was an awful lot of similarity between Waterford in the late 50s, when I first started going to hurling matches. Waterford played the same team, I would say, for about five years, and lucky to win one All-Ireland. And they, they're some of the best players of that generation, like the partnership of Power and Grimes in the middle of the field were unbeatable. You Cheesty, who was unique, and Frankie Welsh, you Martin Oak. Now, they never had a goalkeeper. They were always short to corner forward, to it, and they kept playing the same players. Now, the Waterford team, and you in that period, which you a bit the same, there was one or two suspect players all the time, which brought down, and I said, if they were lucky enough then that the, the four top men happened to be perfect on the same day, that didn't happen for them. Right. But, like, when I, when, I, when I see some players going over the top of a winning in all Ireland, and you see a player like Ken McGrath, Tony Brown, Paul Flynn, Big Dan, not having an all Ireland medal, it's hard to accept that. Yeah, it's hard to see they, that. Yeah. They, they deserve it, Colm. You know? Yeah, they definitely were. Right, lads, I'll finish with predictions. You're, you're, so. you're, you're talking about, just for us, we're talking about uh, the player back then, would they make the, play, would they make the modern game? The man here beside me, if he was playing with Limerick now and the weather holding, 
he'd been top of his game yeah. because he was only 18 years of age when he played with Limerick, 17, and he actually carried Limerick. Yeah. Shocks was like Joe Canning coming up through the underage. Like everyone he, was waiting I, for him. I would, I, I would even put him. I'd would put you him, a huge reputation? I put him above that. Yeah. Pardon? I put him above that. Yeah. I well, would, and what I said. He carried Limerick with that normal. You, you put Mark Foley in that category. He played great hurling. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. Down the years. Great servant. So, and we've seen a generation of, of, of uh, cork hurlers come and go over the last 14 years in Oil Island, you know, so. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Right, Shocks, I'll start with you. Give enough from one. I'll start with you. Prediction for Sunday. Oh, I can't see anything but a Tipperary win. But a Tipperary win? Yeah, they'll win. They're hurling superb, they're form team. <laughs> he's, uh, the, he's doing this old ca- cute Kerry I think, one. I think it'll be a close game. Um, I personally think Limerick will win by two or three points. But I think it'll be a game that we never doubt they're not going to win. I think they'll be in control for some reason. I don't know why. Um, Tip have been the form team without doubt. But they haven't had to chase a match. They always, down to their conditioned way to start games, but they haven't had to chase a match. And if we get in front, we just have to see how they react. And again, it might come down to the atmosphere in Limerick. Okay. Richie, what do you think? Uh, I predict Limerick. But the only, the, only, the, only thing about, the only thing about it is, when Limerick played tip, prediction goes out the door. Yeah. As I said, we had, we had teams a lot worse than Tipperary, and we ended up beating them. They're very you evenly know. matched teams, the two now, the, aren't they? The, the way, way Limerick are hurling now, I, I, a dry day will suit them, yeah. rather than the way they are the last day. Because when you're playing short passing game, the chance of it breaking down is, 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 more, is more there in the rain. And as well as that, Tipperary shot a great, a great player in Bonamar. Mm. He's, the, he's the man they make them t- tick, yeah. in my eyes. He has, he's, he's a great work rate, and he's able to, he's able to score. He's, he's, he's a, a 100% hurler. Yes. So you, we'll go two Limericks, Babs. In Limerick. I think, as I said earlier, I think Limerick are going to be very difficult to beat in Limerick. They're a different proposition. I wouldn't be worried if I was a Tipperary supporter to come out playing well, because I think... A game in two weeks' time in a quarter-final might suit the losers a bit better than the winners. And at the end of the day, an easy game in two weeks' time, and we're all back in the same situation then in a month's time for the All-Ireland semi-finals. So it's no advantage winning, in my opinion, next Sunday. Now, I do think the loss of Bonner in all the hurling he has done, he has never hurled like he has done this year. No. He's been exceptional. He's a huge loss. Carl Barrett, you will agree, Richie, Galan got one pint in the first half while he was on, and that was from the other yeah. side of the field. Barrett he, might still play, though, will he? He, he might still be OK. He, well, or do, what do you think? I would hope that Carl Barrett doesn't play on Sunday from the long term. And so as of anyone that suffered with a hamstring, it doesn't come right <coughs> in two weeks. And if he put else in, and I'd have, he'd be gone for the year. So if I was Liam Sheedy, I'd let somebody else in and I'd have Carl Barrett because the, the, the All-Ireland is going to be decided on a month from Sunday in the All-Ireland semi-finals, not next Sunday in Limerick. Yeah, it's the big picture. The only thing about it, the, the losers of next Sunday will be meeting Dublin in the quarter-final. Well, no, now Dublin might have to play Leash the Joe would, McDonough Cup winners. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> I apologise. Would it be not? And, and, I, and I think they have a home venue. Yeah, the only thing I say about that, Richie, is that take Dublin out of Parnell Power. Well, I'm just saying that they have a home vineyard. That's my point. Yeah. But would they not be playing Wexford, no? No, no, they can't play Wexford. It's for him. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, look, 
That's the first time you ever Richie, said I was right. If you have to be, if you have to be worried about Shocks Dublin, me and you and my head off yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have to worry about Dublin, take them out of Parnell Park. You're not going to win any All Ireland. I am. Okay. Yeah, no, they're very good in Parnell Park. Listen, we've run out of time. Give it up for Babs Keating, Richie Bennett, and Andrew Shaughnessy. <laughs> Welcome back, Turles. Please give it up for panel number two, Shane McGrath and Jerry Reds O'Grady. Now, you're obviously the Boris Lee Five. We mocked up this uh, picture for you, lads. All innocent. So yeah. we want to talk about this because I remember it going on at the time. And I remember the fallout from it. And there's been a couple of different examples. I might talk to Michael Ryan. There was another one in 2014, I think, on a bank holiday Monday, but I'll ask Michael about that. Yeah. Um, give us the background to this then, Shane. I'll start with you. So you, you, you actually put in a brilliant, well, not brilliant, but a very good performance against the brilliant Cork team in the Munster final. Yeah, just one way to photo there, I remember John O'Brien said to me that I was the only midfielder playing inter-county senior that looked like I could play the primary game on the same day. <laughs> uh, I looked about 10 years of age, but uh, uh, like, what happened? Like, everybody forgets how well we played in the Munster final, I think. Uh, we were playing like the Cork team at the time. You had Gardner, Kern, Sean Oak. Like, they were all still hurling. Like, all I, I, I was Mark and Jerry O'Connor. He was hurler of the year. I was nearly going to ask him for his autograph halfway during the match. Like, I was just <laughs> in awe of this fella. But hurled well. Uh, lost the match by... Lose my reds. Three points, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a few chances. Even Demi Fitz, I remember, had a couple of chances. He was up in the forwards that day. You know, He was, he was getting a nosebleed up there. He didn't know what was going on. And... Uh, like, then, this was afterwards, then, sure, we, we went for a couple of drinks and uh, we went home early on the Sunday night because uh, we had a recovery session on the Monday evening in the pool. So, um, on the way to the pool, then, we, we just we had, a, had an ice cream and stuff on the way to the pool. And, and then after the pool, then, we were feeling kind of energetic, so we said we might, might go for another ice cream, kind of, you know? <laughs> and uh, we had a good few ice creams, anyway. And, uh, Here, Babs is gone now, so you yeah, don't yeah. need this code. So, anyway, long story short, anyway... I was, we were in a pub in Clonaulty on the Monday night and uh, Ireland AM was coming on, so I said, well, maybe it's time to go home now <laughs> if this is coming on. And uh, yeah, and uh, didn't, or that carried into Tuesday, went for a few sociables and uh, kind of the rest is history then, I suppose. The thing, the, everyone has their own story of it, but uh, do you know, we stick yeah. together Reds anyway, isn't that right? What, which, so <laughs> five, five of you ended up in Barcelona Reds around the Tuesday, right? Yeah. So... It's not like you were hammered out the gate that you should be drowning in your sorrows. We all know the Monday club. The Tuesday, a little bit unusual to be going again on the Tuesday, even especially at that time, because things were changing a little bit. But you made an awful balls up by signing a hurl, I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, young lad Sean Kenny came into the pub. He was only about eight years of age and says, you signed the hurley. So we all signed the hurley, five of us. But he went down to the Bursley field then, and who was training Bursley was Brian Murray, our physical coach, was doing a one-off session with Bursley, so... Talk about hanging yourself like <laughs> <laughs> So we were caught. So you, were, you, you thought you were safe as houses in yeah, Barcelona. Mostly, so yeah. you'd be driving out there from Turles thinking there's, a, there's yeah. no way I'll be caught out there. Yeah. yeah. Drinking in, like, Tipperary is a huge place, like, so I said we go drinking in Barcelona and no one will ever find out about this, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So when did you know you were caught, Redzer? Well, we went back to Mackey's pub on the Thursday night. Then the famous phone call was made. <laughs> or, oh, no, sorry, the Tuesday night. Sorry, the Tuesday night. Tuesday night. <laughs> we get two weeks out of here. We never went home. Jesus, on the, the Thursday. On the, on, the, on, the, on the Tuesday night. So then Babs and John Lahey and uh, John Coscombe were looking for our heads then on the Wednesday. So. But this was on the Wednesday, yeah, right? Before. So talk to us about this phone call then, because this is the one where the, that made the big kind of rumours and everything. Yeah. You, your phone... 
Babs was talking there, there was people ringing him all year, and then your phone pops up, your number pops up, and he gets another one of these phone calls. Yeah. Like, can you imagine what he was thinking? Well, the phone call that was made for Mackey's that night wasn't my phone call. Well, it wasn't your phone. I never have credited my phone anyway, so it definitely, <laughs> wasn't, my, it definitely wasn't my phone, but it was a, a friend of mine, there, Connor Bannon, made the phone call, and he, 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 he could be down there, I don't know, but... He gave the Bab a, a bit of abuse, but sure, it's only a prank, but Babs took it a bit seriously. Right, okay. Is, is Babs gone, is he? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> is he down there, lads, no? <laughs> I think he's gone. But, like, I mean, abuse is in, like, I mean, just light-hearted stuff. Light-hearted stuff, yeah. Right. And so then, like, I mean, is that what sealed your fate then, the prank phone call? Well, I was the captain. The boys, they probably thought I was leading the lads astray. I got a phone call on the Thursday night to come up to the Anna Hotel to have a meeting with uh, John Lai, uh, Babs Keaton and John Coskind. So going up, I knew I wasn't going up to, to say I'm playing well or I'm doing a, a good captain. So I, thought, I knew I was in trouble from going up along, but I went in and I got attacked above in the room and told I'm no longer a temporary captain. Right. So who was doing, was it the county board chairman doing most of the talking in there? Pardon? Was it the county board chairman doing a, a John Coskin was there, John Lahey and Babs Keaton. Babs Keaton doesn't drink, John Coskin doesn't drink, and John Lahey's a reformed alcoholic, so I was in trouble before I even went up there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a kangaroo court, huh? <laughs> what about you, Shane? Did you get summoned to the Anner Hotel, or how did you...? How uh, did you... I actually went down a different road, um, so... It was literally a different road. Um, I, I was in Nina on the Wednesday, in the Abbey Court, and, uh, and in some days in Nina, because uh, the, the court might be so busy, they might hold court down in the Abbey Court, in the hotel. So I walked in, and you're like, and I'm only a young lad, and... Next thing, go into the room, and like Reds are now, there's five or six lads, you know, behind the table. I like, you know, it was like an interview. You wouldn't do a harder interview for a job, like, no matter how hard you tried. And next thing, two guards arrived into the room. So I was there going, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen here now? And sort of things were said, and, you know, questions were asked and all this. And then I was told I was no longer part of the panel and all this. And so I came out to the car. And, like, this, I mean, was, this was your debut oh, season, this, right? This is, my, this is it, like, you know, and uh, I was actually going well enough at the time, thank God, kind of nearly got me back on the thing, like, Reds wasn't going as well. You see, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I came If back, you're going well, you can do oh, what you stopped. want, right? I came out to the car, like, you know, and I was like, going, you know, I was the first person from my parish to play for Tip Seeders, so I was going to have to go home to my mother and father now and go, come here, I'm not on the Tip team anymore. And why would that be, Shane? Actually, I went in the beer for three days after the Munster final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's not a great reason. But anyway, this is the funny, was, funny thing was... <laughs> The phone started ringing anyway, I to care. And it was like, I was like, brr, brr. I said, hello, hello, could I speak to Mr. Shane McGrath, please? I says, yeah, yeah, this is Shane. How's it going, Shane? This is Reds right here. <laughs> 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 well, well, where are you? I said, I'm in Nina there. He goes, yeah, yeah, well, how'd that go? That's just done great. No, you're no longer on the panel. Right, my news probably mightn't be great, so either so. And this is before thing. you went down yeah, to the Anna, yeah, right? Yeah. So you knew the writing was on the wall then. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the day went on anyway, right? The story kind of gets better. This is the kind of the unknown bit. Um, but like, I suppose... And I, look, I have to say about Babs now, I, have to, I will always, always thank him and appreciate for what he did to me, bringing me on the panel and giving me, giving me my chance that maybe another manager mightn't give me. And I'll always thank him for that. But <laughs> I suppose what we done then, later that evening then, Babs arrived up to my home house and my brother was inside having the dinner after a day's work, and Babs arrived in, and he, was, he looked out the back window, and he says, who, who lives over in that farm over there? The brother was, like, looking at him, going, is this Babs Keaton in the kitchen here? What's the story like, you know? And the day, he went on anyway, next thing, the mother arrived in, the father arrived in, and the father's like, he would have worshipped Babs Keaton, like, you know, growing up. And he had to go back out to the mother and go, I, I think Babs is in the kitchen here now, I'm not too sure. Like, but anyway, long story short, next thing, the Angelus came on at six o'clock. 
My mother wouldn't be the most holy person now in the world. And uh, Babs would be, be strong faith. And he starts throwing out the Angelus. So my, my, my mother hadn't a clue with the response. <laughs> so Babs goes, the angel of the Lord is learned to Mary. Um, Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is with thee. And, uh, so that was it anyway. My brother Dudica, like, he was, just, he was just watching all this going on. He said, and then he rang me and he said, you will not believe who's in the house and what's going on here at the moment. So... So, you know, it was just, it was just, when you look back at it now, like, I, I suppose we can look back at it and laugh. At the time, maybe, a lot of people would take it very serious, but I think we just need to park it now, don't they, and just yeah. move on. Like, I think know. that was it. So, what did Babs want in the end, just to say the Angelus, oh, yeah. or was he putting it No, no, come up and say, stay away from that Razor O'Grady, he's a bad influence. <laughs> 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 so, so, you were getting to blame, but John Carroll would have been old enough as well, like, did he not get to blame? Hold on a minute, there was five people drinking in Bursley, there was less drinking in the North, there was less drinking in Dublin, there was less drinking everywhere. Yeah, but they didn't sign any hurls though, did I they? Know. <laughs> I know. But this was the thing back then though, lads, because I remember the game was changing and in around then, and the Monday clubs that were just usual thing, and even Tuesdays, after every match, you'd be looking forward to it, mm. they became a no-no, mm. and it was very hard for lads of the era that were used to them to, to just throw them away after a championship match, you know what I mean? To say, yeah. it, it, you know, it was just a difficult era, now yeah. it's all changed. Yeah. yeah. Should be let out for a few pints after a match, like, let her hear down, like... Yeah, but players. you were allowed out to Sunday. <laughs> no, we weren't. <laughs> no, it was, the, it was the third day, it was the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. But it, Shane was saying it was embarrassing, and, you know, I'm sure it was for you then, Redzer, because you were the only one that didn't actually get back on it. It was embarrassing for me, I'm living in Torres. Torres, uh, Sarsis, man, town are all proud of me being captain. Like, the few things would bother me the most was my daughter was inside in school, she was seven at the time, and she was proud my daddy is captain of Tipperary, and then... Kids were coming, why isn't your daddy not on the tip team anymore? And my father told me your daddy was thrown off the tip team for drinking. Small things like that, like, the mother was very proud of the time. She was going down doing the shopping five times a day with her chest up, out, but she was gone into hiding then when I was dropped off the table. <laughs> that came out a bit wrong there, did it? <laughs> <laughs> like, as you'd cop that, all right, wouldn't you? God, you know, I'd get over it, but it was embarrassing. Chest up. <laughs> but it's a bit embarrassing for the family as well, you know. I'd get over it, but it was embarrassing for them and for my club as well. I felt I left, it, I left yeah. them down. Like. And then the biggest embarrassment is, is Larry Corbett goes and takes over as captain, your best buddy. <laughs> Well, he was my best buddy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he'd done a sneaky thing. He went in behind my back and took the captaincy off me. And I, I wouldn't have done it to him if I was his best friend. So <laughs> it's a, I'm still not over that one. Like. So what were the conversations like between you and him then? When he... No, he blocked my number on the phone. <laughs> but I was never as happy in my life. They got bit in the next match. I was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate your honesty because you're yeah. probably being honest about that. Yeah, and I'd be as proud as Tipman as anyone. That was the first time I was hoping Tip get bit when Carver was captain. <laughs> <laughs> and did you play with Tip again after no, that? You didn't, no. No, that was it. My career was cut short. I could have been on the panel in 2010, I'd say, but I've gone. Right. Best thing ever happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your career blossomed when Reds oh, yeah. are. Learned my yeah. lesson. <laughs> but did you learn your lesson, though, from oh, that? God, like, yeah. it was, that was a very early oh, lesson for you. Hey, Unread. Un Unreal lesson, like, yeah. as, as Reds are said, like, it was embarrassing too, like, do you know, like, uh, with your own friends, all they do is slag you about it. Yeah, but, but in the, like, I was lucky enough, I, I got, yeah, in it, like, you know, in a wider thing, like, I mean, that, like, 2006, as I said, I was going fairly well, I, I was lucky enough, I, I got nominated for an All-Stars, up at the All-Stars, and you had a couple of the, kind of, the football heads coming up to you going, did you not get dropped for drinking there after the Mustard <laughs> Final or something? You're like, jeez, I don't want, this is, this is how I'm going to be known. Yeah. But no, no, like, after that, then, it was a big learning curve, like, for me, like, you know, and... 
you know, you, you knew that when you were, I suppose, you think no one knows you, like, or you think you can get away with anything, and, and then you realize you, you get thrown in, and you get tipped jersey, you just become a different person, and if you only have one drink or ten drinks, you are absolutely langers in the middle of hazes of a Wednesday, and uh, whether that's true or not, no, like, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's the picture that's painted, and I, I, it was a hard lesson, but, you know, it was, looking back, it, it actually kind of made me then that, yeah. uh, you know, I have to cop on here if I, if, if, if I do want to play for tape play. But was there a bit of a drinking culture at that time, Redzer? Because like Bab said, in fairness, the stats were Nicky left in a hurry, three more managers left in a hurry, Babs left in a hurry, well, Liam Sheedy came in one and all, and Hogan left in a hurry, Dial left in a hurry. The managers weren't hanging around too long, would you? No, Babs is wrong, you see, because Dial didn't leave in a hurry. He, he got one year and they, they didn't renew his contract. Same with Ken Hogan. They looked, they looked to be managers again for the following year, but they were just... But they were, sat, they were they given were, the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't the player... It was, there yeah. was nothing really from the player's point of view. No. And then the county board made a big mistake bringing back Babs for the two years then as well. <laughs> <laughs> and the... the, the <laughs> The thing, well, I'm Babs, serious. No, but did, did in, in fairness now, right, so you all got a second chance, and Babs told me that he told you he was going to give you, going to give you a second chance as well. It, it, it wasn't necessarily Babs that got rid of you that time. It was more the county board chairman. Would that be fair? Well, the, above the meeting, it was John Costin and Babs Keaton, and Babs Keaton told me you're dropped off the tip team. I just got up on... But did he tell you then he'd give you another chance a little while after? He never told me that. That was the last time I was talking to Babs. Right. <clears throat> okay. Interesting. Here is, are they, are they, uh, how do we feel in Turles about Redzer? Was he hard done by? <laughs> Wasn't very loud, Redzer. Listen, we get, we, before, before I let you go, we get predictions for Sunday because I'm going to ask everybody for these. How do you see this going, Shane? I'll start with you. I like to say, if, if you asked me two weeks ago before the, before the boys played Limerick, I would have said, yeah, we're going to win because with everyone, but... Just Bonner, like there's only one Bonner, and but like Dan or Dan or Niall, Dan or Niall will come in, and they'll do a great job and everything, and, and I hope to play out of their skins. But it's it's just Bonner is like you know Liam Sheedy said there's a few players that are just kind of the heartbeat of the team, and, and Bonner is one of them for us. Like like say if I flipped it over and I said Gerard Hegarty's not playing for Limerick, well then you say the tip have a massive chance, but because Bonner isn't playing. I just, I, you know, it's very hard to place him. And the other thing is, the two best cornerbacks in the country at the moment, the Myers chance, I don't think Kyle's going to make it. I think. Yeah. So there you go again. If Sean Finn wasn't playing for them, you'd be saying we have a serious chance. I don't think Kyle's going to make it. I think it'll be a week really? too soon for him. They're, they're, the, the vibes are a bit positive. I know, but like, I mean, you have to, like, you can't be 70, 75% marking Aaron Oh, Glenn. no, no, no. Not with the ball, the lads, they're, the ball they're going to give in and the way it's going to set up and the space going to be in front of him. So... Like, my heart is saying tip, but like my, my head is, 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 is saying Limerick at the moment. I, I really hope I'm wrong. And I tell you what, the place hasn't been packed for a tip-Limerick match since 2007, I'd say, where, you know, you literally have people on the sideline. That, that crowd is worth four or five pints to Limerick because I'd say it could be four to one to Limerick in the crowd in there. Like, I, I hope the tip, the tip crowd get in there and start sitting on the stand or, you know, <laughs> you know sneak in somewhere underneath jumpers or something like yeah. that because they're going, we're going to need all the support we can, but... I think, I think Limerick are going to share it, yeah. Going to share it. Limerick fans gave back some of the tickets, Rezra. Is that true that Richie was saying there on the first panel? I, did, I didn't hear it. I'd be surprised at that. How, how do you think it'll go? I think Tip, tip are ticking all the right boxes for me. They're playing on real style of hurling the forward line. Forwards are working hard, getting turnovers. I think Keen Lynch, Keen Lynch is a man that needs to be marked. They'll probably put Breen on him and Galan. If, if he stopped the two boys and all that's hurling the way we're hurling. Like they're, they got bit twice. They're, they're thinking about themselves now. And we're... we're, we're winning all our games so it's hard to beat the same team two weeks in a, like it a, is yeah it's, it's hard to know what the way the match is going to be like they'll probably put Kyle Hayes on Pawdy because he did such a job in him last um, last year in the Gaelic grounds 
And like the, the matchups would be crazy. You'll have 18 people there in between the two 45s, and you'll just have 3v3 then kind of Mayhem, inside. yeah. It'd that's be mayhem. The way, like, that's you know, the way that's, all that's, games are going probably, It mightn't be a great game that everyone's expecting. But tactically, whoever wins it, I think, that, that, that could tip it in, uh, tip, tip it in the favour. Like, yeah. All right, great stuff, lads. Give it up for panel number two, Jared O'Grady and Shane McGrath. Please give it up for panel number three, Michael Ryan, Cheddar Plunkett, and Lark Corbett. Now, there's only one place to start, Lar. You have the open floor now. Redzer had his piece. <laughs> yeah, I was, so very, like, I was very disappointed the way that he worded that there now, but he didn't realise, I suppose, I was coming on next. So, and that was on, before Redzer got the captaincy in 2006, the Torres Arsenal's club delegates came to myself first and said, Lar, we're thinking about um, nominating you for captain. So I was delighted. So I said, this is going to go exactly the way I want it to go. Then I see Rezzer and Baz very friendly in training then, and we're getting very close together. <laughs> so as far as I can see, Rezzer went behind my back first. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what that worked out. The, we were talking with, to the two boys about the Boris Lee Five and managers leaving in a rush, uh, Michael. Like, I mean, from the outside looking at this, a few drinking controversies, managers coming and going. There was another one in 2014 after Limerick beat you with that late Shane Dowling goal. Like, is there, was there a drinking culture here in Tipperary for a few years, or... Sure, like I suppose that happens in every county. I, I, I definitely like to say that we're no different to any other county. Um, very normal bunch of young fellas that did all the, the wrong things that you think that they would do after a match. Um, but I remember back, I was listening, I was listening to, the, to, to you chat to, to Shane and um, Shane and Redzer, and Larry remember this, but I remember meeting the boys on the Monday Club when I was a selector with Liam Sheedy in 8, 9, and 10. Um, so, you know, there was no issue, you know, we were cool enough yeah. and it's great crack, you know, but yeah. knew where to leave it. Right, well that's the thing. What, what, what about Lee's Cheddar? Like, I mean, we've had a reputation down through the years of uh, Monday clubs as well. Like, it's hard to stamp these out really, because if you put a blanket ban on it, if, if the best player in the team breaks it, then you're screwed. I'd say, well, that was more to do with Leeds football now than it is to do with Leeds hurling. <laughs> but anyway, um, I know you kind of put, I, I think it's just a bit silly putting sort of blanket bands like that on players. Um, you know, once it's not affecting performance and, and that, and once it's not affecting the dressing room, you do need some limits on it. But, um, you know, blanket bands, once you put a blanket ban on something, the next stage is a disciplinary issue for you, and you've got to take action. And you're losing straight away when you do that. Um, no, look. You can't be on a drinking session either. There's limits there. Well, players need to enjoy themselves as well within limits. And the dressing room itself knows where those limits are. Yeah. You, you were instrumental in bringing Liam Sheedy back, Michael. Is that true? I wouldn't say I was instrumental. Um, but we're, we're, we're good friends. And uh, obviously it came up. And, I, you know, once I stepped out, I, you know, the only thing I wanted to see was the best possible result for Tip. And I was delighted. Honestly, I didn't think he could do it. Um, and therefore, he, he wouldn't do it. But um, he was very keen to do it, which is brilliant. And, you know, look, the signs are on and the results are there at the moment. Um, it's a great move for Tip. And, and you know, regardless, and I'll say that ahead of Sunday and the rest of the season, uh, it's been a really good move for Tip. Yeah. What, what does he bring to the table there? I think everyone can see what he brings to the table. I think he's, 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 um, his energy is number one. And I think he's very good to build a team around a team. So you can see the backroom team that he brought in, and you can see the different people that he brought in with him. And when Liam came in the beginning, in 2008, he brought in, Mickey went yourself first, so Mick went on to manage Tip. 
He brought in a Keen O'Neill as a physical trainer. Keen O'Neill went down to be one of the top men, just lay down in Kerry for a few years, went to me, manager on Kildare now. And um, Eamon O'Shea as a selector as well, Eamon O'Shea went on to manage Tip. So he was very good at bringing in good guys around him. And then when he had a good team around the team, he was very good then to pick individual players and leaders on the field. What I liked about him then is he was able to, leaders on the field that he knew that he could trust, it, that he could trust to pass on down to the younger fellas that was coming in. So the whole thing kind of joined up together. I'm like, you know, fair play to man. We can see that he's doing the same thing now again. So, like, you know, a fair bit of credit to him. I suppose he just has that touch. And what it is, is we don't, we don't know. It's a bit of magic, maybe. Um, he commands doing. respect, I'd say. And he gets, he gets respect. And I suppose even bring back Eamon O'Shea um, this time around, like, you're on a winner straight away because all the stories about Eamon O'Shea were all positive stories about how he dealt with players as individuals and how he was able to get people thinking outside of the box. So the young guys that never met Eamon O'Shea are on a winner, so they're going to believe every word so that he's saying, which is true, the words are true, but it's good to come into a, a good start like that, James, yeah. for sure. It, it, just now that Larry mentions it, is getting your backroom team right, Cheddar, one of the most difficult things as a manager? Like, I mean, you're nothing no matter how good you are unless you have good fellas with you, I presume. Yeah, no, absolutely, Willie. Look, it's the same in any walk of life. Um, you know, how do you, you find to... them? How do you research them? Uh, look, you, you, you should know that. That's why you're being chosen as a manager in a, in a county like Tipperary. You should know that and you should know how to keep people here and it's not necessarily just knowing them it's knowing that they fit together as a group as a management team first of all and it's knowing that they're able to deliver what you want out of the team and so we could be looking at a coach um, that you know his philosophy may be long ball game but there's no point in bringing a coach like that into the current Limerick team or I'd probably even say into the current Tipperary team so you need to really know what you're looking for and you need to know the right people and look that's no different than any other walk of life Willie. if you want to get a job done you want to build your house you know, you get, you get the right people to do it, and that makes the job an awful lot easier. And, you know, it just takes a lot of the problems that, you know, you may encounter later on by getting a good, cohesive team. And everybody needs to get on with one another here as well. And I suppose it's an interesting subject, Willie. You know, what's the manager's role in, in current, you know, teams at, at the very, very top level here? Because more often than not, it's not a coaching role. You know, you, you delegate that to the coaches. Um, you tell them the, the way you want the game to play or the game system there, the method that you want to play and then you pick the right people that's going to be able to coach that for you but everybody needs to be I hate cliches but everybody needs to be on the one level and thinking the same about this you couldn't have a conditioning person that wants to condition the team different than the way you want to play it's that level of detail and I don't know Liam well but look from what I'm looking at on the outside he gets those all those things right very well incidentally the man beside me did as well um, you know I don't want to miss that point either. yeah it was the picture when you won the All-Ireland um Michael, I think he'd like 17 in your backroom team who was up there with Dublin. That's a big family to keep happy. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of us, um, but it, it, takes, it takes a huge effort. Um, you know, and look, that was a fabulous moment for us. Uh, and it's, it's really only, you know, and lots of people would have said it to me since that, God, you know, the, you need a, this is where this second bus was, you know, being touted from that you need a second bus for the backroom team. Um, but look, that's, that's what it takes to run a machine that is something like TIP or any of the successful counties that are, you know, at the business end of the, the championships or winning championships. It is a big machine and it needs a lot of moving parts. And, um, 
Yeah, it won't work without it. It just won't. But the Monday must be crazy for you then, because you're in work, right? You're getting all your, your analysis back. You're getting all your different kind of reports back from all your backroom team. Like, I mean, how are you finding time to get through that? And then you might have a debrief meeting on the Monday or a Tuesday, and you have to be on top of everything, and you're still a manager. It is getting to the point nearly with inter-county managers that it, 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 it might need to be full-time, no? I'd hope not, uh, genuinely. But you know, I, I think that's the reason for for the big back backroom teams that, and Lara's touching it there. You just you delegate out that work and you trust the people around you that you're getting back the information in the way you want it. You don't want all this information coming at you and you're the one trying to decipher it. You want, you want it broken out into the really important things, the headings that you want to talk about that are important to the team. Uh, and look, there's a lot of detail behind all of that, but you don't need to see it all. So yeah. you just need to, you need to be selective. You, you know, you can't spread yourself that thin. I think, that, I think that's where it's really important. I think Michael has explained it very well. Um, you know, you could give an example of conditioning statistics. Um, Michael or myself just needs to see that the team is at a certain level. The conditioning person is looking at individual goals and all of these things. I don't really need to see all of those, or Michael doesn't need to see all of those things. So if you did, you'd never get a sleeping moment. Yeah. But you do need to see that the, the bus is moving in the right direction and that type of stuff. Similar with the coaches, you know, you would look, yeah, I suppose, I'd say, Michael, at the level that you were at, you'd be spending all night looking at, at videos. You might look at one video a match ten times just to see minute detail on different things. But the coaches are probably going to look at it much more detail than even that. And, and that's where the difference in the, in the manager is. He's looking at a higher level, as was in business, or saying you're up in the helicopter here, looking at team issues rather than more individual issues, unless they're disciplinary issues or something like that. But I would imagine, Michael, that at the level that you were at, it's just incredible detail, a huge amount of time committed to it and, and very energy sapping I would imagine on you to, you know going to an All-Ireland the level of detail you have to prepare the, the team to and you can just think of that for a minute for Sunday in terms of the game plans that Limerick and Tipperary are going to have to be on the field and the amount of detail the pre-planning and that that you have to do and then communicate that to the team it's massive yeah it's not easy we'll talk about the game here Larry. Limerick could lose three times this weekend and still be in the All-Ireland mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the GA, when they're putting this thing together, they, they knew this was a high possibility. And as the years go on, this is, this is going to be a possibility year in, year out. And a lot of it is to do with the, with the revenue. You see there, two weeks ago, you tip in Limerick and Torles. Uh, it, it, it didn't, I won't say a, a no mean anything match, but two teams are still in it. You have 40,000 in Torles. So what they're doing is that this is a, a commercial business now, is that these matches are going to come every year. You're going to end up playing twice. Um, every year or you could end up like Limerick losing three times and it's, it's good for the spectators it's good for us but the biggest loser here is going to be the guys in the clubs all over Ireland and that's going to be a huge thing so I just take my own club Torres Arses here at the minute we played a match I think two and a half months ago we probably won't play for another two and a half months so really what this GA are doing at the minute is they're setting guys up to go to America for the summer but for us as normal supporters now, we're getting to see Tipperary on a regular basis. We can't have both, so they're after picking one. So the Inter-County is going to win. And like, the games are enjoyable, but just, that's just a divide, and the divide's going to get bigger. Yeah, maybe. Well, in the last game, uh, Michael, it's a weird one. Tipperary won the game, but arguably Limerick would have come out of Turles happier. Is that fair? With the few players they rested, they have the next game at home, you know, for factors like that. Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, we were in no doubt. Uh, we, you know, we were after winning three for three. This was game four. Coming up against the All-Ireland champions, uh, there's always something to be had by winning. There's nothing to be gained by losing. That's a fundamental belief of mine. However, when the two teams were destined to compete in a monster final two weeks yeah. later, then you get a question mark and you're saying, well, who, who benefited most? And who's got an edge now? And being honest, I think... 
I don't think, you know, while Tip won the match, I don't think there was any loser per se because the real match is Sunday. Well, that's the thing. And the whole shadow box and everyone's talking about, Limerick did shadow box though because they rested their three maybe most influential players. Would that be fair? Well, look, you know, look at the, uh, that's been a comment that's, that's been around, you, you know, did John Kiley decide strategically to try out a couple of players? You know, it's a very, he's got a very strong panel. Uh, he's well entitled to do it. The, none of the guys that he picked were slouches by any means. Um, so, you know, is he a wiser man about his panel? Yes, he is. Um, did it benefit the players? Look, he put, put all of them on the pitch that were able to go on the pitch, uh, with the exception of Declan Hanning. Hannan was injured, and uh, Geroad Hegarty didn't go on. But, you know, he put on... Um, Keen Lynch came Keen on. Lynch, yeah. Yeah. Graham Mulcahy, yeah. Graham Mulcahy went on. Daryl Donovan went on. You know, these are the these are top players. So, you know, they did go on the pitch. Um, he wasn't trying to lose the match. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's a dangerous game. It's yeah. a just thing on that there is... Um, when you don't play your best team, you don't tell the team they're right, we're going out to lose. But it's a psychological thing that happens around the dressing room, and everyone has this well, they're not taking this 100% serious. We're not putting out our best team. Psychologically, the rest of the players say, right, so this is not the being all. They don't maybe want this because they're not putting out the best team that they think at the minute. As Mick is saying, is, is 100% is that he wants to learn about his team, but it gives a little soft edge to the Limerick team themselves. So the real game is. Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I tell her um, I, I would agree with that. Um, except all through the league, he has done this. Um, he's changed players. You know, he's brought in Paddy O'Loughlin. Um, he's brought in Peter Casey. He's brought in different players. Uh, William O'Donoghue in the middle of the field. Um, and I say he probably was thinking a little bit ahead. You know, for matches like this, just wanted to see. You know, in terms of. Yeah. of matchups and that type of stuff. Um, so he's done it all through the league. And, um, you know, the players that were coming in were serious players as well. Um, you know, even if you take Shane coming in there, well, he yeah. was giving him his chance. And if Shane yeah. had really excelled that day, it would have been difficult to keep him off for yeah. the Monster final, I think. But, but, but it's, it's a statement to leave off Lynch, Hegarty, Mulcahy, yes. three yeah. player of the year yes. practically nominations. That's, that's I, I, telling I, I, you now I, that I'm shadowboxing. No, I think him. what's critical about, it is, about those three players is they're central to the way Lyrmick play. True, yeah. um, and, you know, Keane Lynch in the middle of the field you know, he processes an awful lot ball, ball through, through him. He's very accurate in his distribution. An awful lot of scores come off of what he does. And not having him there, um, he certainly was one that it would yeah. miss. And he certainly will play on Sunday. And the same with Garrod Hegarty in terms of tracking up and down that side as well. Um, so I, I think he learned a little bit. He probably wanted to look at Paddy O'Loughlin as well on the other side. Um, you know, has he the tackling ability and the quickness to be able to defend? Everybody knows about his distribution and that. Um, and I think yeah. that'll be very, very interesting on Sunday. What your team starts and what yeah. way will they play? Well, do you know the way that they started, kind of Shane, um, Shane Dowling? He would have felt hard done by for a few games. And even last year, I think now when he has the meeting with Shane, you're going to say, you're not a starter. Absolutely. You're a guy to come yeah. on to do yes. the job that he, you've been doing he, last but year. But he can't play the Hegarty role, can he? I thought he was hard done by playing an out wing forward that, the last day. Like, Shane I, don't Dowling, Shane, I don't think Shane but Dowling I, is that but, type of but player. But I just think he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a real impact sub. He's a game changer yeah. to come on. And I think that's actually verifying it after just uh, two weeks ago. And Ari, if you think of last year, the game, the game in Ennis, you know, the very same thing. He started Shane. Limerick didn't play well that day. Okay. In terms of the way Limerick play, I think there's a number of players that's really central to them to, to be able to get the system working for them. And I hate that bloody word system. They're yeah. method of play. Method, yeah. uh, there's a couple of players that are really central to that. Um, and Shane in that particular role probably doesn't work. Um, but he certainly works as an impact he does. Player. Certainly sure. works. Yeah. Yeah. What about the weather, Mick? Because John Kiley said afterwards how he analysed the game was that Tipperary put huge pressure on our passing game and it was a wet day and we know obviously hurling be the same as football it's poxy the, 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 they give it to each other when they're being marked you know when balls were going astray whereas on a dry day they might stick 
Yeah, and I think the forecast is for rain on Sunday. Oh, is there a forecast? <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing rain dances oh. here in Tip, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously, anybody that's, that's ever picked up a hurley understands it's so much more difficult to play with a wet ball, you know, and keep your balance and control your first touch. Um, but the best players can do it. So, you know, it, it, that kind of does kill that argument. Best players play um, when ordinary players can't play. You know, that's a safe assumption. You can always, you can take that one to the bank. So I don't think it's going to matter a huge amount. I just think, and you touched on it there, you know, Limerick are a very confident team and they believe in their system. And, you know, I know it's, it's not a great phrase, but it's what, they're a very pattern-orientated team. And they're very confident, you know, in terms of giving a guy a ball in a certain space and they'll use it. And they're very patient waiting for the right ball with the right guy and it'll be delivered at the right time. Um, and, you know, the game hasn't changed that much as far as I'm concerned. Tip will look to disrupt that. And the more that they can dis- disrupt that, the more they'll create space for themselves. You know, so it's kind of, it's win-win for Tip here. Yeah. Um, and there's a, huge, there's a huge psychological momentum to be gained if you can disrupt... Uh, a team that are that are you know very kind of patterned for want of a better description. Yeah. It's you know I, the, the turnovers that happened up in in Simple Stadium here two weeks ago, I think would have really buyed up the tip team and and you know the, it's worth something. It's currency, it's real currency as far as they're concerned. Um, so I think that you know the, the swing factors on on Sunday coming will be you know who's gonna who's gonna win those hooks and blocks, you know, and we've been talking about hooks and blocks for yeah. 30 years, you know, and longer, um, but they have a greater emphasis these days because yeah. the turnovers go over the bar at the other end then, you know, you create something big and it could be, it could be a green flag and like that's, that's gold. If you and it, that. I'd say Cheddar, it's even easier to hook and block now because there's so many bodies. You can be hooking and blocking as that you're not even marking. You're not even marking. Uh, uh, well, the middle third look, is swamped with, with you know, bodies. No disrespect to the more senior hurlers here in the audience, but they probably are technically more gifted now at doing it anyway. They simply practice it an awful lot more. Um, and I agree with Michael on this. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think from a coach or from a manager's point of view, the way both teams set up, and I do agree, the disruption is going to be key on Sunday. To both sides, I would say, Michael, um, I think both teams play a little differently. I do agree with you. Limerick play more structured. Their creation of space is more structured in the way they set up. Um, I think Eamon's philosophy is a little bit different. He leaves it up to the player's decision to be able to create their own space in the forward line and that. Uh, but nonetheless... They rotate tip, don't they? Would that be Eamon O'Shea's kind of thing? They do, but uh, I'm, and look, I'm not going to... I'd ask Lara and I'd ask Michael to explain <laughs> this an awful lot better than me, but here's what I see on the outside, um, that the players will create the space themselves for the ball to be put into, and that may be very on the outside of them, whereas Limerick do that a little bit more with the method of play and the, and the mobility of their team. One or the other makes no difference. You're going to have, as a defender, is going to have to defend that space. Your body position, even on that, is going to be really, really important. And that's what I would be looking at on, on, on Sunday to start the game in particular. Because Michael is right, you cannot allow the opposition, either the or Tipperary, to get a toehold in this game because you might be hard to shift them. Um, so I think the, 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 the tackling from the forwards and the defence on both teams will be crucial in the first 15 minutes and it might dictate the form of the teams. So you might see, I, I regard, I've seen Paddy O'Loughlin hurling with Limerick wing back in Fitzgibbon this year, very, very accurate passer of the ball, um, but he mightn't be as strong a, a defender or tackler as Dan Morrissey. Um, so you could see a Dan Morrissey starting and when the game opens up for the second half, when, when Limerick want to spill the ball or spin the ball around the place a little bit more, they might make some changes like that. But I think it's going to be a very, very interesting start to the game. And I'm interested, Michael, in what you said 
if it is, I'm not too sure if you were slagging that it's going to be raining on Sunday, but if it's going to be a warm day on Sunday, that's going to be a, a real variable here. I think there's going to be two variables that's going to be hard to put your finger on. One of them is going to be Paddy refereeing the game. Um, I, I know the man well. He refereed a lot of games at, at the Joe McDonough stage, um, and now he's moved up to the top level. I think it could be his first really, really big game. I think in the first 15 minutes there'll be a lot of big hits going in here and a lot of really heavy tackles going in. And how uh, will he handle that? Is well, he? well, look, that's the issue. Is he, go, you know, is he going to trust himself to, to hold control of this game after 15 minutes or is he going to issue cards earlier on? Because if Do, he does... Is he card happy or...? Well, he's not generally speaking and, and he's not generally speaking. But look, this is a massive game. You know, I, I, I mean, he'll have... He'll have um, he'll have two managers in his ear from one side, and he'll he, he lucky enough he won't have Davy in his ear on the other side. Um, but look, that's what that's the pressure he will be under, and he'll say to himself, "This is a big game. Do I want to control this earlier on by issuing cards?" And I hope he doesn't. I don't think he will. Um, but the point, the knock-on point of that is that I think Limerick have stronger players to come in. So you may have somebody in a yellow card and Michael, you've got to consider at that stage is this player going to get another yellow here for me and is that going to be a problem for me? Um, particularly if it's already in the game. So, you know, with Banner gone, you know, have Limerick stronger talent to come in? And the other issue is the warm day. This is high energy hurling for both teams. If you're into a really, really tackling game, your defensive play, even as a forward and as a back, is high energy draining. And, you know, substitutions, tactical substitutions would be crucial in this game. And you, at the minute, I probably think that maybe Limerick have a little bit more strength and depth than that all over the field, backs and forwards and midfield, maybe than Tip have. Yeah. What, what do you think the main changes with Tip are this year under Sheedy? Like, is Noel McGrath to midfield? Brendan Maher wing back, although he would have played wing back before, probably under you, Mick, as well. Like keeping the three Mars together yeah. was even a bit of a surprise, considering people see, might have thought they lacked pace. Yeah, see, I suppose what a lot of people forget is just say Limerick, the first round of the championship down Limerick last year when Mick was manager, like Mick was without Shamey, he was out Brendan and Bonner Maher, right? He said, boys were and, uh, were missing a lot, they're only back a week, Mick, is that right? So, like, they're, they're the three key pl- players, j- just say, uh, up as far as two weeks ago that, that you're kind of looking to, so the backbone of it. So what has, what has changed? So you have those, you had, you had those three back, um, Bonner is, is injured again. So that's what, you have, that's what you have back. And then you have, you have Bubbles back playing well, and then you have Cottle back. So like, we'll just say, the panel is back t- t- together. You have the, the players that you want on the field. So you have a chance then. Then what you have then is you have to tip forwards. At the minute, the tip forwards seem to be working the hardest. Like, when I see Shane McCallan running 80 yards again, Watford up here in the stadium to get a hook on the goalie, for the ball to go out for a sideline. Ron Amaric should put it over the bar uh, um, sideline for ATR. When I see that, then you say, right, so these guys are tuned in. But Shamey then is setting a standard. So as, as, as the guy said already, that standard is set when you see the turnovers last day again Limerick. I think the forwards got something like 16 turnovers that's creating into scores. But those turnovers are stopping the Limerick half back line giving in unbelievable ball into Aaron Glan and Graham Mulcahy. It's yeah. stopping that supply. That's what the boys are doing, but that is attitude as regards either you want to work or you don't want to work. So the boys are putting in the hooks and the blocks. When, when I was there, a lot of them, yeah, we, we spoke about it, but we mightn't have done it. The boys are actually doing it now, and that's what's working for them. Um, that's what's working for them, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that's for, I like that honesty. You talk about it, but like you can even bluff things like that, Michael, as well, in fairness. Like, I mean, but, they are, but in fairness, Shane McCallan, in my eyes, always worked hard like that, did he, or is he just up and at a level this year? I think, you know, and Lara's touched on it, I, I think when you're a younger player, you don't probably grab the, the importance of those hooks and blocks to the, to the overall team. Um, and when you get, you know, when you, I think when you get 
that level of maturity and you're in there four and five years and particularly if you haven't had success because of course youngsters take success for granted you know if you talk to any successful minor team they expect to win they expect to win at 21 and if they win at 21 they certainly expect to win at senior and it's a brilliant thing but if you're in at senior set up for a couple of years and, you, and suddenly you know the, the well goes dry and you're not successful well suddenly hooking and blocking and if that's a path to success it's got a whole new value um, and I think we learned that value yeah. in tip down yeah. through the years we didn't always have it we certainly didn't always have it um, but when we have it it's a very powerful weapon in the, in the artillery because it does give you those, those key hooks and blocks and it puts the opposition under incredible pressure. Does, like yeah. There's no, there's no pinpointing the ball into, into their attack, you know, which is, you know, we, we spoke about it earlier, like uh, when the good teams let in, you know, the, the percentage balls are, they're, they're, it's virtually undefendable yeah. um, and it'll be just score after score after score if you allow it happen. Um, so you've got to stop it at source and, you know, Look, we, you know, it's certainly not, we didn't kind of phrase, I think um, Tom Ryan, or was it Richie Bennis, got credited with this total hurling, mm. you know, but we all knew what total hurling meant. Work hard, you know, simple yeah. enough, just yeah. work hard. But, uh, it's gone I, to a new level. I, I think what's really interesting, though, uh, what Lar has, has shown as an example, it's the full forward line coming out onto the half-back line to tackle. And that's crucial if you were playing defensive wing forwards because now you have free backs. And, you know, Limerick will have a bit of a problem, I think, at this on Sunday, particularly if they play Casey, um, Mulcahy and Gillan in front, inside. The three of them that don't tackle back to field. And if, they're, yes. if their wingmen are back are stepping back to field, you have three Mars on their own here to ping passes around the place. Yeah. You're depending on your full forward and to sprint out 30 yards yeah. more larger than you normally would yes. to begin that tackle. Mm. And I, I'm not so sure. There's going to be really interesting subplots going on around the field. Yeah. Do you know so the, the, la, the last day, two Mars followed and Paddy obviously didn't follow. Is that the way it, it worked the last day, Larry? Yeah, Paddy sits back and really he's brilliant at that. And he's kind of doing it. And I think it's a bit extra um, protection for um, James Barry as well. And I think... If James Barry is inside full back and just say he's the full forward is there, if he knows Pawdy's there to pick up the breaking ball, you're, James is actually going to the ball with a little bit more ease because you know if there is a mistake, Pawdy Mary is here to help you out a bit. At least he's there in your vision, so it is it is good safety net. But I think the key battles is going to be on Sunday is that if you if this turns into a shootout and you give the ball in a short in 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 a, in, in, in a short bit of space, the likes of Shamey, the likes of Bubbles, the likes of Jason Ford. These guys are the best shooters in the business. And I think if it comes into a shootout, there'll no one in Ireland be tip, but it's the work rate how they follow it up. But you give them lads a small bit of space that they've been doing all year, they'll put the ball over the bar. Yeah. Talk to me, uh, uh, Michael, about bubbles, because Liam Sheedy's getting a lot of credit for getting bubbles in shape. How hard is it to get bubbles in shape? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shape? <laughs> well, I feel miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I tell you, um, from the first day we saw him step out in the, in the league this year, um, it was there to be seen that, you know, Bubbles had to work done. And he's just a phenomenal player yeah. when he's in, in, the, in that kind of shape where he, can, where he can, you know, move around the pitch with ease and be a threat from various positions. Uh, I, I would absolutely say that he is the most natural hurler I have ever seen play. The lads on the show say he has the best wrists that they've seen, the JJ and Damien Hayes and these fellas. And it's just fitness was always his issue. Maybe number 11 suits him that he can drift and not be marked, and you know the way centre-backs hold and stuff like that as well. Yeah, look, he's, it's just his ability to be at the end of a line, and you know, to be the la he's the last man you want to see with the ball. You know, whoever's got to do the work in the middle, but if, if he can be at the end of that move, you can almost put your house in it. 
he, we're, you know, something's going, good is going to happen. It could be a goal, it could be, but it's almost definitely going to be a point. But as regards, he's he's own, he's very strong, young fella. You, you know, and watch his arms and his wrists. He's very, very strong. But it's the whole balance, the whole package. He's he's a unique package. Not many have what Bubbles has. Right. And would you think the same, Lar? Yeah, without a doubt. I remember when I was um, when Bubbles came on, nearly first, I think, so first or second year, even even poking. So just I'd be left-handed on top. And he'd poke away, he'd change around to left hand on top, and then he changed around to right hand to top. Anyway at all, it didn't make a difference. And he was as natural either left hand on top or right hand on top. And I've never seen anyone do that before to change the way that they hurl. Right. Even just poke Like Ronnie around. O'Sullivan in the snooker. Yeah, just unbelievable stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> just his touch is just unreal. That's interesting, because um, I saw Zane Keenan training with Leash um, one night, and he trained completely with his left hand. And the following night, he trained completely with his right hand. And nobody would have known unless you really, you wouldn't yeah. have known by his hurling. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't know, I thought I didn't, didn't know anybody else. There was two people I know. Yeah. It's interesting, Larry, what you're saying. It's interesting what Michael's saying about bubbles. Because um, I don't think he goes as deep as Noel was when he was with G. Michael, but no. you still can't leave him out there. Bubbles seems to go to the two wings, doesn't he? It does he? a little bit. And, and I think that's a problem. Declan Hannan doesn't like to go out there, no. and you can't send him out there anyway. So Lyrnick have a bit of a problem here. How are they going to fix that? And I think the other thing about Bubbles is because of his fitness now, he's able to make that run from out there and connect on the end of the ball coming yeah. into the D. And you know, you're in serious trouble, as you say, Michael, if he's getting, getting, that, getting that ball at speed coming to your goal because something serious is going to happen to you. So Limerick have a bit of a problem that they need to fix, I think, with, with Bubbles there. And, you know, assuming he'll play it to farm. Yeah. So just f- finish up with you, Michael. So maybe there the changes. Like Noel McGrath, you never, you don't think you ever played him in midfield, did you? Like, I mean, it looks like such a, 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 a master stroke now, but it's not too far away from the deep centre forward. It's just midfielders don't really mark each other and you seem to be able to get maybe on a lot more ball. Yeah, look, it's really suited Noel this year. Um, you know, we, we, we often did it down through the years, you know, that Noel would take up that really deep, uh, position uh, from 11 or from 10 or 12 and he effectively was your, your de facto third midfielder but um, giving him the jersey this year just seemed to, seems to have really suited him and he's playing brilliant hurling back yeah. there and he's doing it on both sides uh, on top of hitting in great ball to the forwards and using the ball as intelligently, intelligently as he always does it's the work he's doing at the back you know he was putting in some great tackles yeah. even back in the full back line so his awareness his game awareness is no news to any of us that, that have watched Noel over the, the last number of years but it's just brilliant to see you know him in, in such form at this point in time you know but look let's not get ahead of ourselves you know the round robin is over we're, we're looking at a monster final on Sunday um, there's a whole other arm to this championship about to lift off after, after next Sunday so yeah. you know there's a lot of hurling yet to be played would you mind Markham Michael? Noel McGrath? Yeah. Oh, in, in his current role? Well, somebody should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. And the reason like... I'm asking that is it's unlikely that Keane Lynch will play on him if, on Sunday if that's the case. Yeah, no, I, don't, I couldn't see them going head to head. No. I'd imagine, I'd imagine Donahue or Willie really Donahue or There are two playmakers for, for either team, but if you were to ask me, I think Noel McGrath is more important. And I think It'd the, be nice to see them go head to head. Yeah. But I think the, 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 the game is after speeding up to a quicker thinker. Noel McGrath's um, thought process. Noel was ever, always a very quick thinker and he was always a, quick, a quick, quicker thinker than how the game was being played in front of him. But the way the game is changing now, the goalie is picking out Noel, the halfbacks are picking out Noel because they know when you're going long you're hitting it into a seventh defender and a spare man. That day is gone now. Noel is actually setting up like a quarterback. Everything is coming through him. But he's actually seen it quicker than it's actually, than it's actually happening. And what he's doing then, he's actually waiting for the forwards to make the run. Noel has it, he's actually waiting for the forwards and they actually see Noel. But then Noel has it in his locker to go for the score for 90 yards. True. So the game is suiting Noel now. Before, it was got more a long ball in. 
Now it's kind of a 10-yard pass set up for the next play, and that's why it's actually suiting all. Yeah, no, exactly right. Let's we'll finish with predictions. So, uh, Mick, I'll, I'll start with you over there. Yeah, um, I, 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 without a shadow of doubt, want Tip to win this, and my heart wants Tip to win this. I see it as being really 50-50. Um, I think we're a little bit weaker than we'd like. Um, I think Bonner's a huge loss to us, I think. Cahill most likely won't be risked, nor should he be risked if he's not 100%. Um, so I, I think it's advantage Limerick now, being honest. Um, I still think we can win it, and I'd love to see it happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if Limerick turn us over on Sunday. Okay, fair, Lara, I'll start, I'll go to you then. It's very simple, Taper going to win, go out now and back him with Paddy Power right now. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> There's my Paddy Power mentioned on the first one for me. Uh, Cheddar, we leave the, the cast and vote for you there. Um, look, it is going to be very it's going to be an intriguing game, I think. And look, anybody that hasn't a ticket for it, just get a ladder, get down there, get in over the wall, get in, <laughs> get in and see the game, regardless of who you're supporting. Um, unfortunately, you'll be up in Croke Park at a Leinster final. I'd, I'd love to see in both games. Um, Look, you asked the question. I, I think if Cahill Barr is not playing, that'll be a big loss to tip, Michael. I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, that quickness, and particularly if James Barry is playing full back. The first four, four balls that went into James um, and Seamus Flanning at the last day in Thurles, um, they went out to the side. It's the typical ball that Limerick play in between the cornerback and, and the wing back out to the sideline. Seamus Flanagan is out there and he gets it in his hand, except this time he spilled the four of them. They bounced out of his hand uh, and they got nothing out of it. Um, but you do need quick cornerbacks around to be able to deal with that. Um, and if he's not, I know Alan Flynn, there's other backs there that are good, but Cahill is just exceptional at that type of game. Um, I think if he's missing, um, obviously missing Bonner, I don't think, I think Bonner is, uh, you know, I spoke about him before on the show, Willie, um, he's a huge spirit in your county, Michael and, and, and Lara, yeah. I think he's certainly a player that every county would love to have. The whole um, country is a Bonner fan. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, correct, and, and, and um, he's a huge, huge influence in the dressing room, I would think. Yeah, yeah, um, right. But nonetheless, Dan or, or Niall can give you a shift there as well. Um, I think Cahill might be a bigger loss, and if that's the case, um, I think it's in Limerick, and Limerick don't have a monster, and and um, I think the other thing is, you know, Tip have played really strong in four games. And look, they've, they've, they've topped the charts here in terms of the round robin. Um, and, you know, just even on, on laws of averages, there's days you might be a percentage down in terms of energy, in terms of flatness. If it's a warm day, it is going to be difficult. Um, and I think it just literally just might get out on the end of it, maybe a couple of pints. Certainly if Carl's not playing, I, I think they will, yes. Okay, there you have it. It's going to be Limerick. Sorry about this. Um, I've totted up all the predictions. We're giving it up for our last panel, and that's the last one of the night. Michael Ryan, Cheddar Plunkett, and Lark Corbett. All right, that's all we've time for. Thanks very much for having us here in Hayes' Hotel, where it all started, and we'll see you again. Good night. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Hurling Acca. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go. And so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.